You are listening to Sunday Gospel Reflections, a podcast made possible through the work of the Institute of Catholic Culture. I'm Father Hezekiah Carnazzo, founder and executive director of the Institute and your host for this program. In this podcast, we'll explore the historical and literary context, themes, and significance of the readings for the coming Sunday. This podcast was originally recorded as a video for the full viewing experience, please visit us at instituteofcatholicculture.org. Blessed is our God at all times, both now and ever, and unto ages of ages. Amen. Heavenly King, Consoler, Spirit of Truth, present in all places and filling all things, the treasury of blessings and the giver of life. Come and dwell within us, cleanse us of all stain, and save our souls, O good one. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Welcome back to all of our participants for the 27th Sunday in ordinary time. I keep getting amazed at how many Sundays in ordinary time there are. And yes, we are still in the Gospel of Luke, believe it or not. We are indeed. Yes. We are indeed. I'm not sure when Jesus gets crucified in this. In this it's got to be at least three or four years from now at this rate. I mean, we are <laughs> slugging through Luke, you know. Oh, anyways, here we are. And uh, let's, um, Annie Mitchell, um, yes. let's, let's go ahead and... Um, jump in and give everybody our passages today and no we're not reading from amos again but we are gonna pull out a juicy one from the great and holy prophet habakkuk habakkuk i can't can't imagine how many readers gonna get up there totally unprepared on sunday mass open up the thing a reading from the prophecy of backcook yeah i know the (laughs) the pronunciation this weekend should be very interesting. Yes, yes. How many different ways people can can pronounce it? Okay, everybody, let's get out our notebooks. Habakkuk, chapter one. Give it to yep. Manny. Yep, Habakkuk, chapter one, verses two and three, and then we skip to chapter two, verses two through four. Our responsorial psalm this weekend is Psalm ninety-five, the Gospel. The Gospel of Luke, everyone. Luke chapter 17, verses 5 through 10 is the Gospel this weekend. And our epistle is St. Paul's second letter to Timothy, chapter 1, verses 6 through 8, and then 13 through 14. There you go. Let's Ready take a high dive do... right off into Habakkuk. Habakkuk. Here we go. How are you going to find Habakkuk in your Bible? Turn to Nahum. And then it's right after Nahum. Oh, right. Okay, got it. <laughs> That's not, I know that doesn't help. Uh, Keep treading some water to, to give people time to find Habakkuk. <laughs> go to Ma- go to Maccabees and go backwards, okay? A few things, and you're going to get Habakkuk in there. One of the, I said great, but I mean technically one of the minor prophets. Uh, but you know, the prophets were minor. So I, I disagree with that whole distinction between major and minor, but that's, my own hobby horse again here we are in the prophet habakkuk and you should be finding it now and if you can't and you went to the table of contents in your bible shame on you rip the table of contents out of your bible and your ridiculous little tabs you have so that you can actually find the books in your bible again and um anyways you're going to find maccabees go backwards unless you have like the new american in which they put maccabees back with Ezra, Nehemiah, and stuff, and then it'll be 
it'll be toward the end of your Old Testament. In between in the, in Nahum the, and Zephaniah. Zephaniah, exactly. But not necessarily, yeah, well, yes, necessarily, actually time-wise, both Nahum and Zephaniah are alive and well and and prophesying during the same time as Habakkuk. These guys are all kind of pre-exilic, what you call pre-exilic prophets, okay? And so they're going to be preaching. We've been looking at pre-exilic prophets, haven't we? Yeah. Last yeah. week, Amos, Amos, right? All yeah. pre-exilic prophets because the Lord's coming. Again, I keep saying this, but we're, we're talking about the nativity, talking about the nativity in terms of liturgy, in which the presence of God, the, 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 the truths about God are revealed to us in the, as in the eternal now of liturgy. So it's, and when we celebrate liturgy, it's, it's not that the baptism of Jesus happened 2,000 years ago. It did, but it, liturgically it happens today, right? Today Jesus yeah. is baptized. And so we now look forward with this kind of vision which brings together these similar mysteries of God's coming, right? He's coming in, in, in the flesh born of the Virgin Mary. He's coming uh, in glory at the end of time. He's coming for the judgment of the world at the time of Amos and Nahum and Habakkuk and Zephaniah. He's coming to judge the world as he comes to Jerusalem. Here we are in the Gospel of Luke in his progression toward Jerusalem. So you see, liturgically, all these things combine in which the church says, He's coming and you better get yourself ready because if you're not ready, look out. And that's exactly what Habakkuk warns the people of God in Judah about because the Babylonians have now risen to power and they're rocking everybody and it's not going to be pretty for Judah. And we've gone over it a hundred times of why, because they've been enslaving their brother and living in luxury. And now the tables are going to get turned on them. Habakkuk, and we've just done one. half our study on Habakkuk even before reading the We reading. didn't even read it. Sorry. <laughs> I was just to read it first. I got too excited. Here we go. Habakkuk well, no, you gave people plenty of time to go page yes. by page how, through the Old Testament until long, they get to Habakkuk. How long, oh Lord, will it take to find the prophet Habakkuk? How long, <laughs> oh Lord? Yeah. Okay. Chapter one. All right, here we two. go. Habakkuk chapter one. We start with verses two through three and then skip down to chapter two. How long, O Lord, I cry for help, but you do not listen. I cry out to you violence, but you do not intervene. Why do you let me see ruin? Why must I look at misery? Destruction and violence are before me. There is strife and clamorous discord. When the Lord, then the Lord answered me and said, Write down the vision clearly upon the tablets so that one can read it readily. For the vision still has its time, presses on to fulfillment, and will not disappoint. If it delays, wait for it. It will surely come. It will not be late. The rash one has no integrity, but the just one, because of his faith, shall live. All right. Well, you already did a lot of the work for me, but do you have your psychedelic Bible book that you can tell us a little bit more about Habakkuk? Old Father? Habakkuk. No, not really much. I mean, it's a little section in here. Nice. Oh, okay, great. Yeah. I mean, look, Habakkuk, Habakkuk like Job, right, is dealing with the situation. So it's a little confusing. I went back and read, actually, I read Habakkuk 
just before we got on here because I thought, you know what? It's only a couple of pages. I should read Habakkuk. It's been a while. So Habakkuk's dealing with a situation. He's prophesying about a situation which he finds himself kind of looking at two ends of the spectrum. He's, he's, he's looking at what's going on in Jerusalem and in the area, much like Amos was, and saying, the, the poor, the, the suffering, the weak are being taken advantage of. And the cheaters, right? We saw that in Amos about the scales. Remember a couple of weeks ago, he's like, oh, oh the, yeah. the guy goes to the market and he fixes the scales. Yep. That guy's getting off apparently Scott clean. He's going and living in his palace. Um, hello, rich man and Lazarus from last week's gospel. Mm-hmm. And, and it doesn't seem just, it doesn't seem right. And then the righteous are in Jerusalem in the area, Habakkuk being one, and they're being persecuted by these same people, these same guys that are taking advantage of the poor and like that, like that. And then he's got a, a further problem. And as Babylon is about to come and rock them, he's saying, Lord, when are we going to stop this suffering? When are, when are the righteous going to actually be able to receive their just reward? Um, because it looks like on all ends, we're finished. Like we go from, from bad to worse, right? We're enslaved by the, by the sinful man. And then we're going to be carried off to Babylon by the godless Babylonians. And so this is what he says, right? And he's got, and then, and so you begin the the prophecy and in, in chapter, the, the chapter one is kind of Habakkuk crying out to the Lord in this way, right? Saying, where is the justice in all of this, Lord? You, you promise that you are going to protect the poor and, and, and so forth and, and care for the, those who are persecuted. Where is it, Lord? What's going on? And so he's, he's kind of in this thing where he's crying out to the Lord. Look at verse 12, chapter, two, chapter one, verse 12. Art thou not from everlasting, O Lord, my God, my holy one? We shall not die, O Lord. Thou hast ordained them as judgment, and thou, O rock, has established them for chastisement. Thou who art of purer eyes than to behold evil, and canst not look on wrong, why dost thou look on faithless men, and art silent when the wicked swallows up? The more the man, more righteous than he. You see that? You see that? That angst that's going on. I'm going to encourage you to go listen to Doctor Timothy O'Donnell's talk on the Book of Job. Mm to be able to dive a little bit deeper into this question that has, you know, so many generations have asked this question. And Dr. Donald, yeah. a very beautiful study of the book of Job uh, on this very point. And so, but here we go in chapter two, verse two, and the Lord answered me, write the vision, make it plain upon tablets. So he may run who reads it, what's going to happen. Right. And so what basically the rest of the prophecy of Habakkuk says, yeah, the the Babylonians are coming upon upon Israel, and there's going to be much suffering. Look at verse eight, chapter two, verse eight. Why? Because you have plundered many nations, all the remnant of the peoples shall plunder you. Right? We've heard that term of the remnant back in Second Kings chapter twenty five. We don't have to turn there. Those people that that have suffered. Uh, Verse 12, woe to him who builds a tower with blood and founds a city on iniquity. Okay. 
verse 18 what prophet is an idol okay because there, again we've talked about all this about jerusalem being filled with idols and then and then chapter three is habakkuk's beautiful prayer uh in which at the end he says he says what is the point of the whole prophecy and that is yes the unrighteous will receive their due reward it's coming the day is coming may not be here yet and we actually got this in our reading right yeah the vision still has time has its time presses on to fulfillment and it will not disappoint Habakkuk those people that are fixing the scales as Amos talked about they're going their scales are going to get fixed let me tell you it's coming and the righteous will receive their due reward those who have faith in the Lord yeah they will receive their eternal reward as God has prepared it uh, has prepared it for us. So listen to listen to uh, Saint Theodore of Sire says there are people who get quite upset at the sight of wrongdoers prospering. Some have doubts as to whether the God of all takes an, an interest in human beings. Others have faith in the talk about providence, but all but are at a loss to explain why God conducts things in this fashion. The remarkable prophet Habakkuk adopted the attitude of the latter putting the question as though anxious in his own case to learn the reason for what happens and supplying the solution, which the grace of the spirit provided. He did not, in fact, as some commentators believe, suffer from this complaint. Rather, he prevents the views of others and supplies instruction on the questions raised. And and here's the thing, at the end of the prophecy in chapter 3, verse 17, Though the fig tree, and this is ultimately, this is Job, right? This is, I mean, it's not Job, but I mean, it's so similar. Though the fig tree does not blossom nor fruit beyond the vines, the produce of the olive fail and the fields yield no food. The flock be cut off from the fold and there be no herd in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. God, the Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like hinds feet like the, and he makes me tread upon my, uh, upon my high places. And so at the end, there's this beautiful giving of himself, Habakkuk, this giving of himself and trust himself to the, to, to the Lord in whom is the only one left to be able to trust himself to. And re- just, just compare this to the prophecy of Jeremiah. They lived at the same time. Remember Jeremiah chapter 34, in which they, in which the last ditch effort, the moment when the Babylonians are coming on Jerusalem, they release the slaves. We talked about this over the last few weeks, but then they take them back, right? And Habakkuk stands in contrast to that as the one who actually entrusts himself to the Lord. And though he may be taken off to Babylon, like, like Jeremiah, for example, nevertheless, he's placed himself in the hands of the Lord and he knows that the Lord will have the last word. Mm. You know, it's kind of interesting just looking at it. I mean, you answered all of my questions on Habakkuk already. Oh, sorry Father. about that. Oh, no, this is great. Um, I was going to, but as I was listening to you, you know, because I kept thinking as as I was reading Habakkuk, I was like, you know, this, he he really is kind of channeling this, this, what seems to be one of the biggest, perhaps the biggest obstacle to people having faith, which is the problem of evil. You look around you and you're like, all this bad stuff is happening. Where is God in that? And I, I was just thinking about the responsorial psalm as you were doing that. You know, we hear this response a lot at Mass. If today you hear his voice, harden not your hearts. 
when you hear God's response to Habakkuk, it's it's such a, it just brings out a new meaning to that to that response verse. And and, and look at look this is Psalm we're in Psalm ninety five, and then he's at the end of the section that is chosen for a responsorial Psalm. Oh, that today you would hear His voice. Harden not your hearts, as at Meribah and at Maasa in the desert, where your fathers tempted me. They tested me, though they had seen my works. And of course, referring back to, you know, we have no water, we have no, nothing to eat, we're going to be killed by our adversaries and, and so forth, this, not, this, this lack of trust that they placed in the Lord. And in a similar way, Habakkuk and again, the other prophets are going to live through this time of suffering that is coming. But through that suffering, their trust in the Lord will, will prove out. This is all, of course, given to us in light of the gospel, which we're going to read today. I, I want to go back to the Old Testament reading for just a second to look at that chapter 2, verse sure. 4. Chapter 2, verse 4. Behold, he whose soul is not upright in him shall fail, but the righteous shall live by his faith. Or the translation in the in the New American, the rash one has no integrity but the just one, because of his faith, he shall live. Oh yeah, that's uh, and we're gonna, famous we're, verse. Yeah, it, it is a famous verse, and it's and it's uh, going to be picked up now in the gospel text, in which and again, how important it is we're doing these studies to remind ourselves of context, because we have to be standing with the apostles. We have to be journeying with Christ. Uh, we can't be reading these texts from the outside, and it's the witness of guys like Habakkuk that allow us to realize what the church is prophesying the apostles are going to have to go through and ultimately what we are going to have to go through if we're going to find that very thing that Habakkuk hopes for and that is life hmm. yeah the 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 just one because of his faith shall live and so we're going to talk in a moment about the power of faith and Jesus is going to bring this up um and look at how look at the connection because of faith, he shall live, regardless of what's coming. Because of this faith, he shall live. And so, so it, what should Israel have done um, in the desert in these times of difficulty, Meribah and Masa? They should have said, well, <laughs> I mean, we saw the 10 plagues. We saw the waters open at the Red Sea. We saw God descend on Mount, um, on, on Mount Sinai. God I'm in a pretty, pillar. I, I'm a pretty fire. sure he can solve this problem too. Right. And, and and now we turning then to the to the gospel. We were contextualized with Lazarus and, and the rich man, that conversation that took place last week about sending someone to warn the brothers of the rich man. Right. And the mm -hmm. famous line at the end, they would not believe even if someone were to arise from the dead. Yeah. yeah. And so with that, we're going to take a look at our gospel account, chapter 17. Luke chapter yeah. 17. Um, we're skipping over the first five verses of chapter 17, Father. So we're moving a little bit quicker through Luke. Well, at this rate, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no comment. <laughs> no comment. So we are in Luke 17 and we're starting with verse 5. The apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. The Lord replied, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you would say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea. 
and it would obey you. Who among you would say to your servant who has just come in from plowing or tending sheep in the field, come here immediately and take your place at the table? Would he rather, would he not rather say to him, prepare something for me to eat, put on your apron and wait on me while I eat and drink? You may eat and drink when I am finished. Is he grateful to that servant because he did what was commanded? So should it be with you. When you have done all you have been commanded, say, we are unprofitable servants. We have done what we were obliged to do. I think, Annie, this past, uh, well, with this passage, again, flying in from the outside into Sunday Mass is 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 not all that inspiring. I yeah. feel kind of bad for the priest at, or preaching on Sundays a lot. It's hard to kind of draw stuff out. And kind of whack people over the head, like right and 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 unfortunately what are you looking for a pat on the back for being here in your padded pew right exactly so you know unfortunately in many of our churches in most of our churches almost all of our churches there are no bibles in the church and i can understand there's a place for bible study having your bible and things like that maybe it's not exactly in the church like the protestants do to be flipping around and doing stuff but but sometimes it would be helpful i've done it myself i've hauled in about 50 or 100 bibles asked people to share and stuff like that and then in the middle of my homily because you can't really get the context you can't really get the juice if you will out of this text if if you don't have that context and so i'll just say and we, I don't seem to say much because you guys have that context. We've been contexting ourselves to death over the last uh, few few uh, weeks and months together regarding these chapters that we've been going through in Luke. But of course, Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem and he's just had that dinner at that guy's house, right? And so there's he continually gives images. We're still basically sitting at the house. It's You, you don't get a big thing about Jesus stood up and you know journeyed down the jordan valley not until chapter 17 verse 11. Mm. see on chapter 17 verse 11 right after this passage on the way to jerusalem he was passing along through samaria and galilee so if you if you just kind of let the text as it's laid out here in luke hold together for yourself geographically he's still sitting not really I don't believe he's actually still sitting at the table. Sure. But he's still at chapter 14, verse one, one Sabbath when he went to dine at the house of a ruler. And you get maybe a little, a little bit of a break there. Chapter 15, verse one, chapter 15, verse one. Now tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to him. And the Pharisees and the scribes murmured saying the man receives sinners and eats with them. So he's moved on from the dinner. Right, but but he's still in the context of the dinner, right? And and then we looked at that yesterday, and so now he has turned to his disciples, and yeah. he's talking with them. And at first, the Pharisees are overhearing him, and they're probably overhearing him saying this too. But nevertheless, in chapter seventeen, verse one, well, sixteen one, he also said to his disciples, right? And mm-hmm. then the Pharisees overheard him. He intentionally had them overhear him. And then in 17.1, where we're going to get in now, is he says to his disciples again. And so at this time, at this time, it doesn't say that the Pharisees are, are, are listening to him. And I really think that the story gets more intimate here. I think yeah. maybe he has drawn back a little bit with just them, because look mm-hmm. at what he says. It's right after that verse, of course, 
chapter 16, verse 31, he said to him, if you they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced if someone should rise from the dead, a great announcement of what's coming. And immediately, remember the chapter breaks are, are a late edition of the Bible. Luke didn't write in the number 17, okay? <laughs> so we have to keep reading that, right? So I'm going to go, again, verse 31, he said to him, if they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced if someone should rise from the dead and the disciples said to him, Right. Temptation. No, he said to I'm his sorry. Yeah. He, he said to the disciples. So it's almost as though he turned and spoke in, more intimately to them. Mm-hmm. Temptations to sin are sure to come. So so and and now we are in a we are in a, a blessed position to know what he's talking about because they're going to Jerusalem and their temptations to break from him um, and to doubt him are going to be, are going to become powerful. And all those guys around him in that conversation, we've been talking about so much, the Pharisees conversation and so forth is right there. Temptations of sin are sure to come, but woe to him by whom they come. It would be better for him if millstone were hung around his neck and he were casting in his Luke doesn't say it, but I think there's another, conversations going on right around him in which there is that conversation been talking about behind jesus's back going on and he knows it and the apostles know it and some of these guys who have been befriending him right i mean this is what's happened at that dinner the very enemies of christ are trying to befriend him Mm -hmm. yeah and he's watching them and what they're doing and how they are ensnaring others into their plot yeah uh, and you see maybe i'm going too far with it but i i don't think in the context you're reading very carefully in luke here i don't think i am that conversation and that debate and the who he's sitting down with he's he's, he's surrounded by snakes and and he's and now he's telling his disciples uh as he's sitting down with with sinners and he's trying he's bringing healing to those it's, that guy's better off he's a millstone hung around his neck that's how that's how dangerous that guy is right there and we see that in our communities don't we in some of our churches sadly people that would rather undermine their priest and undermine the unity of the church and break the communion of the church talk bad about this person and that lady and so forth like that and break the communion which christ has come to give us verse um um verse three take heed to yourselves if your brother sins rebuke him if he repents, forgive him. Now, now again, again, he's he's got multiple layers. He's got the Pharisees, but he also has sitting at his table those sinners and tax collectors and the debate that the Pharisees are saying, how dare him? And, and the disciples are saying, should we side with them, right? I mean, Judas is in this mix now, right? Judas is standing there and don't think he woke up on Spy Wednesday, right. you know? And he they said he had been taken from the, from the purse like he's taken from the purse right now so is jesus even maybe maybe talking to him as judas maybe going and talking to the pharisees Mm. yeah yeah but 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 again he's there's that evil and then there's also the sinners and uh in in chapter 15 verse 1 right the tax collectors and sinners drawing near the prostitutes and so forth who are actually drawing near yeah 
and then, so Jesus is talking and talking about forgiveness now. Um, and uh, take heed to yourselves. If your brother sins, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in a day and turns to you seven times and says, I repent, you must forgive him. Reminding us of that beautiful, you know, 70 times seven, right? I have uh, that experience with my children every single day. Right, exactly. exactly. <laughs> I'm sorry, mom. And I'll just mention, because we mentioned it last week at the Jubilee year, right the 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 seven times seven so jesus is coming in his whole ministry is jubilee so when he talks about forgiveness seven times seven or 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 70 times seven he's he's speaking in in terms of jubilee yeah Mm -hmm. the the forgiveness of debt i don't want to go back on that because we've talked about over the last few weeks you can go back and watch those videos the apostles said to him lord increase our faith yeah now that you've been talking about this I mean, you just get the sense these guys are nervous. Yeah. Yeah, they are. Yeah. I'm glad you said that, Annie, because I, I really think that's like, that's what I think the value of our study is. It's like, if you get inside and you let, you feel you what's going on. Feel it. Yeah. Yeah. Strengthen us because you know what? We know what's coming. They're, they're going to kill you and they're going to kill us. And, and, and yes, we know that we, that, that, that we know about the resurrection. We know it's possible, but we know, but man, what's coming is going to be hard. Again, Habakkuk, the Babylonians are coming and it doesn't look good, right? Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Right. Now I want to talk about Jesus's response here. If you have the faith, the size of a mustard seed, you would be able to say to the mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea and it would obey you. Okay. So it seems like he's saying, all you need is a little bit of faith and, and, God can work miracles, but Father, I don't know about you. I've never <laughs> been able to tell a tree to go uproot itself and it listened to me. So well, I'm wondering yeah. if I'm missing I mean, something certainly, here. Certainly, Jesus is using a dramatic example, right? Yeah. But the dramatic example he's using, this is why I mentioned faith earlier, is real because of what faith is, right? And we're going to talk very quickly about the power of faith. What is faith? Faith is the total entrusting of myself, my whole self, in every way to the one whom I believe. Yeah. Joseph Pieper in his work on faith, I've got it down here. You should grab a copy of it if you've got a a chance by Ignatius Press. I don't know where it's at. It's in my my library. Um, He says that when someone entrusts themselves in this way, they don't believe one thing a person says they don't believe what the person says they believe the person Hmm. because if it was just the believing of what someone says then they then they accept it because it matches up to their experience and it's believable right but true faith is faith in a person and there's the total giving of ourselves to that person yeah. And of course, we're talking about having faith in a divine person. Then, then all things become possible because faith is ultimately communion is the bringing together of myself with the Lord. It is this act by which I give myself to the Lord and he gives himself to me. It is the most intimate communion. And, and in that, what is true about the Lord becomes true about us. Yeah. And so we can talk in all sorts of dramatic and uh, ways, 
because it is possible for not only for a tree to be rooted up, but for that tree to come back out of the water. It is, it yeah. is possible for resurrection to take place. And of course, Jesus isn't concerning himself with trees being thrown into water. He's concerning himself with what is about to be happen, and that is his own baptism being mm. plunged into death itself and three days later coming forth from that place of death and of sorrow and of separation to the ultimate communion with God. St. Cyril of Alexandria says this, faith partly de depends on us and partly is the gift of divine grace, the gift of divine life, right? The beginning of faith depends on us and our maintaining confidence and faith in God with all our power. The confirmation and strength necessary for this comes from divine grace. For that reason, since all things are possible with God, the Lord says that all things are possible for him who believes. The power that comes to us through faith is of God. The disciples requested they might receive this from the Savior, contributing also what was of themselves. By the descent upon them of the Holy Spirit, he granted it to them after the fulfillment of the dispensation. Before the resurrection, their faith was so feeble that they were liable even to the charge of being of little faith. Yeah. And um, can I share with you one other well, I, I, I always prefer to let the church fathers speak because they have much more wisdom than I have. St. Ambrose says, know that you are a servant overwhelmed by very much obedience. Uh, this is regarding the next piece that's going to come. Sure. I'm sorry. So let's go and, and, and just to pick up that one verse, Annie. All right, Father. Yeah. So let's, um, let's look at that part. It's kind of interesting transition from the mustard seed of faith to to this part. So we're picking it up here at verse seven, and um, I'm now reading from the uh, the RSV here, not the not mm -hmm. the lectionary. He says, "Will any one of you who has a servant plowing or keeping sheep say to him when he has come in from the field, come at once and sit down at table? Will he not rather say to him, prepare supper for me?" and put on your apron and serve me till I eat and drink, and afterward you shall eat and drink. Does he thank the servant because he did what was commanded? So you also, when you have done all that is commanded you, say we are unworthy servants. We have only done what was our duty. You know, I think that this translation makes a lot more sense than what we're hearing in the lectionary, I gotta say yeah Were like you what i was RSV? wondering because i was wondering i was like yeah in the rsv because oh you know what is an i was like what is an unprofitable servant mm. and i mean i'm a roman catholic so i know the word obliged right. quite a bit but right. you know still i like to have myself patted on the back for showing up at mass every weekend right but <laughs> you know Andy, i guess I, that's I uh, not you, exactly what this, i should be looking for this this section of luke does feel it feels a little bit clunky you know, yeah. we're going for these pieces that almost kind of seem to drop in even within the gospel out of context. Right. Can I That's ask, what... do you ever thank your parishioners for being there? I hear that a lot from priests when we go to mass. Thank you for being here. And it's like, I'm supposed to be here, <laughs> but you're welcome. <laughs> 
Anyway, sorry, no, Father, I go on. Know, I don't know that I thank them. I do tell them how honored I am to be their pastor. Yes, that's good. But uh, but nevertheless, here we are in in the text. It does feel a little bit it feel a little bit clunky in the in its progression, unless you allow for that conversation. I keep saying uh, behind the scenes. Part of that conversation is what the church is doing liturgically is is Habakkuk, right? Habakkuk's, I, I would put Habakkuk's chapter one and even part of chapter two in his vision as the context or the background to what's going on here, right? The apostles and their struggle in the context of the Pharisees and their, what do you want to say? Um undermining undermining right their backstabbing yeah. manipulation and so forth that i think chapter 17 verse 7 through 10 really needs to be read in light of verse 11 hmm. which is that they're going to jerusalem and things are going to get bad and um and that's one that's one thing the second thing is that the pharisees are having a big discussion right now about why jesus is sitting down with sinners I, I, I think this is a uh, um, maybe in, you mentioned your kids earlier, and I think it's a good example. But why, mom, I want you to pay attention to me. Right. Mm -hmm. And the disciples are probably going through a similar thing with Jesus at this time that he's now broken out of the comfort zone of Galilee. They're no they're not going home tonight to Capernaum. Right. Or Bethsaida. They're, they're not going to go hang around out with him by the bonfire anymore on the Sea of Galilee and be the only ones on the inside. He's calling to him, as we I've mentioned like five times today alone, chapter 15, verse one, the tax collectors and the sinners drawing near to him. And the Pharisees in verse two of that and the Pharisees and scribes murmured. And in chapter 17, verse seven. And the disciples murmured. It doesn't say that. I'm yeah. saying is, I think that's going on behind the scene. And that's what I'm saying to Habakkuk. Lord, we've been with you all this time. We've been faithful to you. We should be the ones eating filet mignon with you. Right? We're the ones that are supposed to be having a good time and enjoying our company with you. And, and, and so I, I mentioned Jerusalem in light of this because it's only going to get worse. Hmm. Right? Yeah. Um, and I think, uh, yeah, let me read you St. Ambrose and we can move on. Know that you are a servant overwhelmed by very much obedience. You must not set yourselves first because you are called a son of God. Grace must, grace must be acknowledged, but nature not overlooked. Do not boast of yourself if you have served well as you should have done. The sun obeys, the moon complies, the angels serve. Let us not require a praise from ourselves, nor prevent the judgment of God and anticipate the sentence of the judge, but reserve it for its own time and judge. Okay, so St. Saint, Saint Ambrose going you know, on this text is, is saying, look, you have been chosen, speaking to the Christians, of course, right? And I think we can, we can now then apply this a little bit now. You have been chosen by the Lord. Uh, as Habakkuk was to be a prophet, you've been chosen by the Lord and given all these gifts, um, just as the Pharisees and the disciples had received, right? Because we just talked about this last week or two about how, uh, in these parables, very much remember the parable of the uh, of the prodigal son, right? And where yeah. fathers of church always understood this that Jesus is talking to the Pharisees and the Jews around him, saying, 
eldest son, you had everything, right? Um, and so in a, in a similar way to us, we received everything similarly to the disciple standing there, right? And that's really the point here in the gospel. You've received everything, but not because it was yours to begin with, right? It's a gift to you, but don't make it a point of pride by which you isolate yourself from your brother for the very gift you received is meant to be given in service to your brother. Hello, rich man in Lazarus. Hello, uh, unprofitable uh, steward. Right, and all these parables that we've been looking at over the last few weeks. Okay, yeah, it's um, a a message I think extends to what we hear in the epistle for this weekend in in Paul's second letter to to Timothy. Mm -hmm. um, can we read it? Let's do it. All right, Second Timothy chapter one, and we're starting at verse six. Beloved, I remind you to stir into flame the gift of God that you have through the imposition of my hands. For God did not give us a spirit of cowardice, but rather of power and love and self-control. So do not be ashamed of your testimony to our Lord, nor of me, a prisoner for his sake, but bear your share of hardship for the gospel that the strength with the strength that comes from God Take as your norm the sound words that you heard from me in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Guard this rich trust with the help of the Holy Spirit that dwells within us. Very beautiful. And I, I that really just that stirring, right? That stirring into, there's so much here between Habakkuk and the disciples about the gifts you received and how you should not use it for your own benefit, but for the benefit of all, of all those around you. And St. Paul then is speaking to Timothy saying, you've received this gift. That doesn't mean you're not going to endure hardship. Yeah. But in enduring hardship, you're going to find your way to the resurrection, right? As I say so many times, no one will rise from the dead who has not first died with Christ. Yeah. Hardship, difficulties are the path by which we come to the fullness of, of life in Christ, because he who loses his life for my sake will find it. And brothers and sisters, all of us are, are walking in this, this uh, as, as David said, right, the, the, the valley of the shadow of death, right? All of this uh, in these tears of this valley that we, that we live through. And yet it is our faith in the Lord, our total giving of himself that through that faith and the gift of himself to us that we will find uh, the one thing necessary, the pearl of great price the gift of eternal life. To Christ our God be glory both now and ever and unto ages of ages. Amen. Thank you for joining us for the Institute of Catholic Culture's Sunday Gospel Reflections podcast. The Institute of Catholic Culture is an adult catechetical organization dedicated to the re-evangelization of our society through educational and cultural programs offered to the public at no charge. I invite you to explore all we have to offer including over 900 hours of on-demand catechetical opportunities. And sign up for our upcoming events by visiting instituteofcatholicculture.org.